Welcome to Cask Party, High School Theater Revisited. I'm here with Joe Gullah. He's a playwright. He's an actor. Most importantly, he's a Bronx native, um, alumni of Cardinal Spellman High School. My father went to Cardinal Spellman High School. My mother went to Cardinal Spellman High School. Um, I've gone back to seeing the Cardinal players' performances over the years. So I have a lot of ties to to this particular guest. Um, Joe, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to me today. It is my pleasure. I'm a guest through intimidation. Your father, your father was in my class. I think you're aware of that, right? Yes. Yes. So I am here basically, it's a hostage situation, but I am here and I'm honored to be here and I'm excited about what you're doing. For everyone who can't see, he's, he's tied up in a chair right now. He's, he's gagged, but I'm removing the the gag to let him speak when I have a question. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so so let's jump into it then, Joe. Uh, tell everyone where you went to high school. I already hinted at it. Um, and, and what did that theater program look like? Yeah, well, I went to Cardinal Spellman High School in the Bronx, a Catholic high school in the Bronx. Um, I'm a recovering Catholic now because of that experience. Um, and And I mean, I was in my theater club in grammar school, Our Lady of Solace in the Bronx. Um, so I, you know, I wanted to be in the theater club in high school. I had no idea that Cardinal Spellman had a huge reputation that they did excellent productions. Had I known this, I would never would have auditioned because our small school, Our Lady of Solace, really, you know, was very, you know, small and very modest in terms of what they um, did. So I'm glad I auditioned. It became a huge, major, important part of my life. It's informed my whole life. Most of the friends I've made in that group are my friends now that I'm walking around with. You know, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, this was important. Um, so, how many productions would you guys do a year? What would they look like? Plays, musicals? What What was the deal? It seemed normal then, but now that I'm in theater, now it's ridiculous. We did one production a year on a truly gigantic, you know, state-of-the-art stage. It was a beautiful, I mean, you've been there, right? It's yeah. gigantic, lovely. It invites itself to have many productions, but we had one a year. It was a musical. Um, and so that's what we did. Once we would get there in September, Auditions would be late September, October, and we rehearsed, and the productions were around Palm Sunday the following year. As a point of comparison, I think I probably did five or six shows a year in high school. I hear this stuff, and that's so great for you, and that's so much important experience. I really have no idea why they, and we rehearsed constantly. It wasn't like it was like spread out. It was constant, intense rehearsal as if the show was going to be the next day. And it was months in the making for five performances. (laughs) But was there this sense, like, did you realize at the time, like, oh, like we really got to rehearse all year so we can get ready for this one show or, or were like, were you aware that it was a lot of work for nothing? Not nothing, but you know. Before, during, and after, and many years after, I thought, this is what you do. You rehearse for six months, seven months for a five performance production. But but so for, for someone who doesn't know, right, like what would be a turnaround in like the professional world for you to work on a production, let's say? Two weeks. Two weeks after auditions, maybe a few days of audition. And then you start a week later and you're up two weeks later. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy when you think about it because your, your standard was set that, Oh, I'm going to have so much time. Like I'm going to be working on my craft. I learn all my lines, my choreography, whatever. And then you hit a point where you're like, Oh, two weeks. That's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. People have those situations. 
people would not even be off book in 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 two months in in high school settings. So well, in high school, we were getting yelled at four months in for not being off book or for not having memorized it. And we were, you know, I mean, it was Catholic school, so we were, you know, threatened and whatever. Yeah. So when you started with the program, you had been doing theater already in grammar school, you said, for a while. So it wasn't like you were testing out the waters. You knew this was something you wanted to do. You were into it. Yeah, like I was that kid in grammar school, egotistical. I liked being on stage. I liked, you know, going to the theater. My parents took me to the theater all the time. So um, I wanted to be in shows and it was fun having permission to create shows in grammar school. So I kind of headed up the whole thing in grammar school. I just made it happen. I produced, directed, cast, you know, it was fun. Yeah. So when I got there, I thought, oh, it's high school. I'm going to show them what I got. You know what I mean? This is going to be great. So that was a shift then. You go from like being the the head honcho, literally doing every position possible to just now being a freshman in a huge program. And I had no idea it would be like that because I expected, oh, here he is. That guy from Our Lady of Solace. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. You know, and and it was it was quite daunting and quite the opposite. Yeah. So freshman year, what did that look like for you? Did you get a role? What show did you do? What was the introduction into this? Fun about that was I had heard of South Pacific, but I wasn't particularly excited. Like I heard of it. You know, I maybe seen it on TV or something. So it wasn't something that I was like, I need to be in that or something like that. But like I said, the kids that went to my grammar school um, that were in my high school, with, we were like, we're going to go, we're going to audition. And we never had even, you know, we never even saw the auditorium. We went in and it was intimidating. We sat down, but we were, again, very confident because we were great at our school. And this girl, very well known back then, I know your dad knows the name, maybe even knew her, um, and Margaret Pedro um, got up first to audition. And she was one of those gifted fully gifted, I'm sure at birth, beautiful voice, like a crazy professional voice. So we were sitting there watching this. And literally, if I wasn't in Catholic school, I would have walked out. Like I was afraid to walk out because I knew I'd be like yelled at, but I would easily have walked out because I said, this is not like, this is embarrassing. This is, she's really good. So we sat there and each of us got up. It was three of us from my grammar school. We each got up and we did our auditions and they were quite mortifying in comparison to Anne-Margaret Pedro. So we just assumed we were not going to make the play, you know, make the show. And when we all got in in the ensemble, we were just thrilled and honored that we did. But had we not, we never would have gone back. We never, you know what I mean? It was very... You know, we we learned very quickly. We were, you know, small fish now in that pond. Was it socially intimidating in the same way? Like, did Anne Margaret Pedro have this this aura that it was like, oh my god, we can't talk to her, or was it just the talent? No, no, which is lovely about her. No, no, she, she I mean, she was a modest girl. She just got up, had that gift, sang. Um, I didn't like at that moment see or feel the clicks that we all know about from our high school theater groups. Um, so no, it wasn't like that at all. Again, we thought we were gonna be cool and that we were cool. So it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, we had to fit in or anything. We just thought, oh, this is gonna go smoothly. Yeah, but did it go smoothly? Well, it, I mean, yeah. So then, then I was cast as a sailor. So was my friend. Um, the girl was cast as a nurse. And when we got there, you know, people were just generally polite. You know, it wasn't, you wouldn't dare not be polite. I, I keep saying it, but it's Catholic high school. You know, everyone was just nice to each other, whether we liked it or not. Um, and we made friends quickly. So what was so that was beautiful about it. Suddenly I was in this larger group, kind of a cool group because it was very respected. Um, and that happened by accident. Yeah. So that was that ended up being not only the artistic outlet, but you really got friends out of it, 
to. Yeah, like I wasn't even looking for friends there, but yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like those dynamics are tricky though. I'm sorry? That those dynamics can be tricky, right? When you're doing a, a show with people and you're working on the show and you're also trying to be their friend, but it's like maybe something happens in the cast that affects your friend. And it's just like, it's a lot for for a teenager to handle. Like you're spending so much time with these people that you presumably spend time with outside of rehearsal. Right, well. well, all those things happen, as you know. I mean, all the things, the clicks, the fights, the drama, the competition, the ego, all of that eventually happens. But at that particular moment, we were just happy to be in it. So we were just, you know, we were very, you know, we were just, let's just be um, quiet, do our thing, smile, and maybe they'll like us. So it was, that was all we did. And so we were generally well-received. We didn't expect that much at that moment. Yeah. So it went well. yeah. Got it. Okay. So what was it like doing South Pacific then just in general? Well, I mean, that was very eye-opening, actually. And that's changed a lot of, you know, I mean, that was new. I mean, I that was not a musical I had sought out. It wasn't, to me, an easily accessible musical or something, you know, that I wanted to do. But there I was learning so much about it, really enjoying the songs, really enjoying the talent of the people who were in the show, who were the leads. They were, they were phenomenal to me, and I was in awe of it. So, and that, I mean, I already had a love of musical theater. My parents took me all the time, but now suddenly it deepened. So that was a wonderful residual of being in my high school, you know, freshman year theater group. Yeah. I, I don't say this to make you feel old, um, but <laughs> you have this, this benefit. It's a, it's a benefit of, of going to high school at a time where all of these, what are now considered like the golden age shows that were being produced whereas like high schools today aren't really doing south pacific they're not really doing oklahoma so you kind of had this well i was going to ask you about that yeah because i'm trying my best to stay open about with you youngins like and what you view as musical theater and you know like i i feel you guys i feel you know guys your age you know and younger i feel that same addiction and sort of magic and draw to it that I understand and I identify with but the material scares me and then I think well I'm just old maybe I'm just old maybe that's what my father was thinking when I didn't like something he liked but hearing you say that right now actually supports what I think so I would love to delve into that a little more because I mean, all all I see you guys appreciating are the jukebox musicals mm -hmm. and the musicals based on some pop culture film. You know, what yeah. I mean, with with not not normally a good score. So I don't get it. So yes, yes. I mean, those were old shows though to me though. You know, but that wasn't a current show, South Pacific. No, um, no, no. But but meaning it was something that was in the zeitgeist. It was something that was respected. It was something that. If you heard it, most people would be like would enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. and it I, is the stage, and you're right, and, and they're great musicals. Yeah, I I think that nowadays, like I, I think back to like my high school shows, like we did Grease, we did Anything Goes, but they're also doing like they did uh, Hairspray recently, and they did, which which are is still a good show, but it's just- I, I saw that one some, and it was good. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like, as you're saying, in general, this fascination with the jukebox musical or the movie musical or whatever it is, is just, you're kind of missing, as a, as a kid, as a student, right? You're missing this, like, theater education by not doing these shows that are, like, the bedrock of, of the art form in some way. Feel that way because it, it appears that way to me for sure. Yeah. yeah, I might just be an old soul in that sense. I don't know how many young people share that opinion. I think, and maybe some people my age, you reach a point where it's like, oh, we're so jaded that like, you know, we don't like what theater is, but really we're the people making it and supporting it, so it's hypocritical. But 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 still, I I really do have that desire for the for the older material. Um, in, in a sense like that. What I dare to do when I meet a young person and I see that he's he or she's super excited about Mean Girls or super excited about 
um, legally blonde. And I see that excitement and it feels, I mean, their feeling about it is the same as mine. Um, I then use it as a gateway and I'll suggest something that's not too far away from that. And I notice they pick it up because that same thing happens, that addiction kicks in, the drug is the same. And yeah, so yeah, I wish, I wish that they explored that more and there was more exploration of that in general. Yeah, it, it's funny that you say uh, gateway like that because I had a conversation with someone once, maybe a little younger than you, um, but we were talking about Six, the musical, which is on Broadway right now. And I was saying like, I don't want to see it. And he was like, well, there's no harm in it. And I was like, yes, it is harm. Like it's just a pop show, whatever this and that. And he was like, but think about the person, the little girl who lives in middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, finds Six the Musical on YouTube. And then because of that, then she goes back and she finds Les Mis. And because of she, Les Mis, she finds Oklahoma. And just that, like you're saying, is is the gateway. If that's what they're doing, they're great. <laughs> if, yeah, but that that's presuming a lot of things. Did you see Six? I did see Six and I actually ended up loving Six a lot more than I probably should have. I still have not seen Six and I didn't want to in the same spirit that you didn't want to. But I will say that I, it, from what I've listened to, that last song, I love. Like yeah. I went, that took me back to where I like to be about it. And that is why I will eventually go if I catch it. I, I just haven't gotten around to doing it. If, if you like the last song, you like the rest of it. I'm I'm I don't know if I'm the target audience, but I don't think it it matters. I had a blast. I I went back. I took my sister, who's not a big theater person, and she was like, "Help! I can't stop listening to the album." So it's 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 that type of show. Like your your life is not going to be changed emotionally, but you're gonna it's gonna stick with you in that way. And you know what? We all. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm open to not liking everything. Not everything has to be an old school musical. You know, not every, you know, I mean, I like um, pop stuff, but sometimes it just rubs me the wrong way. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as we go. Yeah. Uh, so South Pacific uh, was followed by Oliver, another very classic. I appreciate this moment, and I'm glad I get to share this with you or somebody because so, there you are, freshman year in the ensemble, all the magic is happening and, and you're someone like me and you're like, all right, coming back and now I'm gonna break through. I need to be a lead. You know, we all know the difference. You wanna be, the leads get treated better and you're the lead. And I didn't know what show it was because they never told us in advance. And I just knew that when I came, you know, into school in sophomore year, I would be ready. And I saw the guy who was, a um who did our shows, you know, who produced them and put them together. And the first thing he said to me was, Joe Gullah, you grew a lot this summer. And I had, I grew like five inches in the summer, which is really bizarre. I'm always super short. Not that I'm so tall now, but I was, you know, I grew five inches over the summer, which I was happy with until that moment. And I thought that had to mean something. And of course it did because the show was Oliver and I was up for Oliver, and that was a big thrilling moment. I was up for the lead, not only a lead, the lead. I sang a mean, I mean, this voice that I have now <laughs> does not um, make it sound like it would be, but I had a beautiful tenor voice at that moment. And I was like, this, I'm gonna be Oliver. And I go to, <laughs> three of us are up for the role and the new freshmen who really, <laughs> I mean, I will name check people during this, Chris Bolito, walks in and he you know his little perfect very short Oliver he was Oliver the only way I was going to get Oliver is if I really <laughs> was able to act it or sing it but even that no one was going to cast me five inches taller than Chris Bolito he was cast as Oliver and you were cast as anyone well, I was about to say if you're not my going further with that couldn't they at least have given me the artful dodger after that oh, loss? Of course not. No. <laughs> no, they did not. I then had to be workhouse boy number three, not even number one, and a Fagan's boy. Both. Very disturbing, still bothers me, but I am glad I have the five inches, by the way. So I'm not, you know, I'm glad that I remained somewhat tall. Yeah, but maybe you just could have waited until like, 
next summer you could have gotten. That would have been very good. Yes. Yeah, that that is funny that they were like, oh, he'd be such a good Oliver. Not even Artful Dodger, like, would just push him into the back of the workhouse then if he's too tall. Casting, really, even now, it's always so odd to me that that it's never a situation that if you don't get the part you're up for, that you're not considered for the role, everyone's forgotten that you're now available for another role. Let's try it out. But that doesn't happen too often. You go from rags to riches. Riches to rags very quickly. Yeah, I, I remember, especially in high school, when you would get called back for shows um, or for parts in shows, rather. Um, if you're, you almost weren't allowed to end up getting a role that you hadn't initially. Right. It was back. like almost a rule. You cannot Which have it. Doesn't make sense when you think about it because it's like it's so arbitrary to be like, just because my name was associated with that on the list yeah well exactly. why now am i am i not included in the running for this other thing are you feeling much better that it's not just me that felt that way thank you for that yeah. moment yes. yeah no i i mean i knew talented people who would get called back for the lead and not get the lead because there was eight other people up for it who were better than them and then get nothing because they weren't called back for the supporting character doesn't mean I should have gotten the Artful Dodger, but I should have been up for the Artful Dodger. Wanted to read for it, at least, at the very least. Really, isn't the Artful Dodger, in a way, like Oliver, a little older? You know, Oliver with more spirit, older, yes, he, he easily, and Oliver could be an Artful Dodger, as far as I'm concerned. So you you were too tall for Oliver, but but not tall enough for, like, an adult character, so you couldn't even go that route. Well, I was never that, no, yeah, I mean, even, I mean... Well, maybe I was tall enough now, but my persona and my you know, like view of myself was small because I was very short when I entered high school. So I had that, I was the short guy. Yeah. Wasn't used to being a tall person or an adult type at all. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the girl who played Annie at my high school felt the same way. So um, Oliver at least has a lot for if you're cast as a workhouse boy, which not the most glamorous, you at least have a lot to do. I feel like you're in the majority of the show at that point. No. Yes, I was. Yes. But it was, I mean, yes, it, it was those songs I happen to like. We all love food. Glorious food is great. Did I have a solo line in that? No, I didn't. And that still bothers me too. And I can name the three people that did. One is Elise Madalone, who I am named Checking Social Listen to your podcast. Um, yeah, that was very disturbing. And being a Fagan's boy, it's yeah, it's fine. You get lost in the shuffle. And my close friend, Michael Clotillo, name check, he was Fagan. So, you know, it's fine. Yes, I supported him in that. But no, it's a long, it's a long plummet from Oliver. Yeah. I'm sorry to bring up the sore subject, but but hopefully it's it's therapeutic a little bit to might be a little bit, but it's really not going to cure itself in this one podcast. But yeah. thank you for the attempt. I appreciate it. In the right direction. Um, I actually feel bad about it, and I appreciate that. I I actually did. I didn't act in Oliver, but I stage managed Oliver in high school. Um, we did like a small black box production. Um, and I I didn't know it going into it but I thought it was so funny because like the first half is like this happy-go-lucky show and then there was like gunshots and like sexual assault and like domestic abuse in the second act I was like oh my god like the first time I watched a run I was like we're doing this like this is Oliver and by the way it's like five million hours long it's so boring um yes it, it is a very oddly structured show Based on a very long, I mean, it's not surprising. It's a long book with a lot of serious business stuff going on. And everyone thinks it's about a little boy who wants to eat some more gruel. That's, and it's not. Yeah, there there comes and a point. My parents had to now go. My parents were, well, you know, somewhat excited about the fact that I was going to potentially be Oliver. And then they had to go and see, watch that long show. And you described it beautifully. Um with me as the workhouse boy number three. Yeah, and, and and there reaches that point where it's like all about the adults and the boys are like not even on stage anymore. So I can imagine your parents being like, oh God, when's Joe getting on stage again? And then he, he doesn't, he doesn't come back. They talked a lot about this 
at the Paulding restaurant on Morris Park afterwards, not in glowing terms. Yes, they reminded me of the time that was lost. <laughs> Oliver was not a great experience. Yet I had my group wait, but you love your theater, you know, you love your Cardinals players. You love your group, you love your friends, you're, you know, you're happy. Yeah, that, you want to do any show with those people. Yeah, well, it's also good there because there are not that many leads. So most people are ensemble. And so there was not the huge, you know, um chasm between um leads and ensemble. Yeah. That happens in Godspell, the follow-up, the next show I did. So let's get into Godspell then. Very appropriate for a Catholic high school to be doing. Appropriate, absolutely. I now I had seen it. There was a revival on Broadway a year or two before we did it at Cardinal Spellman. Meaning it wasn't the original. I mean, I am old, but it wasn't the original first version, but it was the first revival. And I went and I was blown away, as many people are. I mean, I mean, it's hard not to love Godspell, especially back then. But I was enthralled with the Broadway production. I prayed one day I would have the opportunity to be in it. And there it was. We were going to be doing, we, we learned upon arrival of junior year, we were going to be doing it. Now, it surprised me because there's really only 10 characters in the whole show. But I knew they weren't just going to do that. They were going to have to make it a thing. So I knew they were going to add a chorus. And that bothered me up front. Like that disturbed me for Godspell. You don't need a chorus of 40 people. Um, it's an intimate show done correctly when it's done correctly. So I knew I had I had to be a lead. Like, I don't want to hear about height. I don't want to hear about issues. I don't want to hear anything. And if my junior year, I've done my time, I need to be a lead. And I don't care which one, but I need to be a lead because otherwise it's going to be a nightmare being an ensemble. So I worked really, you know, I worked really hard and was practicing my audition and blah, blah, blah. And um, I got called back for, I mean, the names are ridiculous. I mean, I was called back for, why do you say it? Gilmer, which is a woman's role. It's a meaning I didn't care. I did not care. I, I will be Gilmer. I, that is perfect. So we went through the whole process and when it rattled down, they ended up casting like 14 leads. So we shared. So I had to share my Gilmer with a girl, Mary Winteroth, and a boy, Chris Valita. <laughs> so he's <laughs> very nice, Chris Valita. But anyway, so but I was a lead. And they did have an ensemble, they had second like leads, like they called them second leads, and they had a um a massive chorus. So, so in the show itself, it was so annoying to me just as a person that liked musical theater and, and the current lead that you would be having your intimate moment and improv and clowning and all the Godspell stuff. And all of a sudden, when a song was about to start, you'd hear a stampede of 40 people <laughs> like running onto the stage, which made no sense at all. But anyway, this caused a huge high school theater club thing because it became the click of the cool kids mm. doing a show that everyone liked. Like you're in Godspell, you just love being there. And so the, whatever, 12 to 14 of us got closer. I mean, that show makes you feel very close. You've been in that show or you've, you know, that's- I directed it over yeah. the pandemic. So yeah, I, I'm- Not getting close and whatever. And, um, and it caused a great divide between the leads and the chorus. I'm very proud to say, and I'm not just saying it for your podcast, me and my friend, my best friend, Michael Miller, name check, um, we made sure that we bridged the, the, gap, the, the gap. We were known as the people that just did not stay in the click, but that we bridged to hang around with the chorus, um, you know, at times, often. So. So that, but it was a big deal. And that that became a big deal, you know, in the show for, you know, year, the next year after, there was a lot of um, like bad blood. Yeah. Just because there was this, this jealousy around the people who had the named 
parts and ensemble. Yes. Like our director didn't really help it, by the way. I think he sort of, you know, kind of, you know, he, you know, made it, you know, we were more important and he made it seem that way. And it just wasn't a thing. And I think it's built in. There is no chorus. You're creating something out of nothing. And so, you know what I mean? It's hard to make that seem valid or, you know, important. Yeah. When I did it, we also did it with like 30 people, let's say. And I see what you're saying. It wasn't like a huge problem, but there there was a point where I was like, oh man, like this is why this show is supposed to be so small. And it's the last supper scene where it's like, it's supposed to be Jesus and the 12 disciples. And it's like, you can't rewrite the last supper. Like you can only put 12 people on stage. Exactly. Yes, yeah. That's about their feelings about this guy who's just their friend that's going to die. You know what I mean? It's, you know, yes, it's intimate. It's not, you know, built for a big production number. <laughs> yeah. So so everyone in Godspell, like all those name characters, they usually have like their one song. So what was your one song that you... I was the worst song, Learn Your Lessons Well. Oh. <laughs> I know, yes, that laughter. <laughs> Where? And by the way, that, bother, that bothered me too. And I famously would say that um, all it was there for was to get me from one side of the stage to the other. Like that's, instead of me just walking across the stage, I had to sing learn your lessons well but it's 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 some twice by the way. it's better than nothing though right like you still were happy herb, it's herb only has one line and you are the light of the world yeah so, better than herb but that's all you can really say about it yeah fair enough yeah you get the opening monologue in tower of babel you get the first speaking you know and the wherefore men about this that's a good part of being Gilmer. Yeah. Who were you when you were in it? Were you ever in it? No, I was never in it. Um, no, but I would I think if I if I had to, I would want to do We Beseech Thee. I don't know which one that is, but I my friend Michael's part and what was his name? I don't remember. Yeah. They they've updated the script since because they did another revival and now they like change the names again. And so it's at this point the characters' names are just they mean almost nothing because there's been so many iterations. Well, right. I mean it's just right, 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 right. I yeah. think when the it's easier just to go to that original names, and that's all it was. It didn't matter what your name was, right? Yeah. And I and I think actually the way that we ended up labeling it like on the cast list almost was just like no one's names we just like put the scenes you were in because it was oh, like okay. you're not okay. playing like you're almost, you're playing yourself almost in yeah, yeah, yeah. this scenario that experience literally this is that experience being in godspell junior year of high school that moment was the most important life-changing experience of my life and for many many years after it was like i thought back on it um, I wanted to live my life in the spirit of how I felt during that moment. Anything I do now is based on that magic of that musical experience with my cast and my friends and those great songs. So that was profound. So it was just the feeling like, like go, go a little more into that. Like what was it that was so life-changing? It's one of those things that happens every once in a while when you're doing like a creative project, when everything works. Like sometimes you can have a really bad cast, like a really annoying cast and the show is great. Or you can have like a great cast and the show is terrible. Or you can, you know, it's a mixture, but everything was perfect. Except for the fight, the, you know, the chorus. Everyone, there was great talent in it. There were, I made great friends during it. Um, I loved doing it. I loved the songs. Everyone, the way people appreciate it at our school, it was like people who never would even gone to the shows came out and they came back again. It was just a truly lovely life-giving experience. Yeah, and 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 that drama in the cast is going to be inevitable, like like we said earlier. So it, it it's it's good that that didn't hinder it. Um, because that, that's just gonna happen. No, no I, right, right. At the end of the day, everyone's proud to have been part of it. And it's a great memory for everyone. But certainly I'm I'm speaking for myself. It was a very huge moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you you started with nothing, basically. You had your sailor role, worked yeah. your way up, you're in the lead crew, and then now we're at senior year, which was Oklahoma and what yeah. what happened with that? 
Right. So meaning really I peaked with God's help. That's where I should have just left. But you know, you you want to be back in the group. You want to be back, you know, with the theater people. You know, it was senior year. Um, we wanted to do things like Greece. We were begging them to do Greece, but you know, at that time, they would never even consider doing Greece, you know. Um and we wanted to do Pippin, and again, because there was the orgy scene, they were not going to do Pippin, you know, it was not even heard of. So they were going to do in, in the Bronx in 1982, Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, nobody cared. Nobody had any reference point. Like, no, you know, it was a really, really sad choice. So it's, it's funny that they draw the line. Ed Grease and Pippin, but but Oliver gets a pass and we think alike. I was about I was about to say that. Yes. I mean, you know, but where the line is, you never know, especially then. But right. right. She's being, yeah, abused on stage and Oliver, but we can't, you know, sing Grease Lightning. Yes. It's very you know, like it's and you know, so yeah, so that's what we hoped for. That's what, you know, I mean coming off of Godspell was such a sensation. And Oklahoma. So I wasn't excited at all, but I, um, you know, fixed my gaze upon Will. I said, I am Will. I, I'm obviously going to be Will. I mean, I've been a lead. I'm a senior now. Um, I will be Will. I want to be Will. And then, you know, we went to the first audition. We had a we um, new director. You know, he came from whatever, someone, the guy quit, whatever. Some, like drama behind the scenes and be a new director. And not only was I not, I wasn't even up for Will, which was quite annoying to me. Um, I was up for Ali Hakim. <laughs> now my best friend, Michael Miller, was one of those people that from his freshman year always got a lead. Like he was dynamic. He fit the roles he audit, you know, that were in the shows perfectly. He had a great run. And so no one was going to get a part if Michael Miller was auditioning. And by the way, he's my best friend. That was fine with me. It was very, you know, he should get the part. So I had no heart in auditioning for Ali Hakim, but I, I did like a very fake kind of audition. I just didn't even prepare. I just said the lines because my friend Michael was standing right next to me and was clearly going to get the part of Ali Hakim. So... <laughs> um, that's that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm this huge for me, Catholic, young. I was going to not be in the play. I thought, you know what? There's a senior trip to Hawaii. <laughs> Grandmother said she would pay. I am going to go. I'm quitting. I'm not going to be in the show this year. But my friends in the play talked me into staying. I still have not forgiven any of them. And I bring it up any chance I get. So as a um, um, booby prize, I am handed Andrew Carnes, but he sings the farmer and the cow and should be friends. So it's a pretty decent number, okay? So I'm like, all right, you know, that's at least something. But again, I'm an Italian, Italian, <laughs> an Italian gay boy in the Bronx, why am I? Andrew Corrin, it's ridiculous. But then they were concerned about other people having roles. And I'm not making this up. They split Andrew Carnes into two. And who got the other part? Chris Bolito. <laughs> <laughs> and he got the part when he, you know, when he ran around actually being um Ado Manny's dad. And I got the big number, um, Farmer in the County should be friends, which was. Quite mortifying. I mean, quite mortifying. Hard, you know, it was just, I mean, it was a bunch of urban, it's mostly Italian people in like gold chains in, in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's really terrible. It was a terrible production of Oklahoma. I, I mean, I think. But, you know, like I resented it the whole time I was in it. Every minute I was there, I was not in Hawaii on my grandmother's dime. Yeah, you were in Oklahoma. I was in Oklahoma. Well, at, at least you had a song, at least you had a number, at least you had something. Yes, yes. Not what you wanted. There's there's a lot of dancing in that show. 
There's, yeah, a, there's a ballet. There's a dream ballet. Well, right. I was not in the dream ballet, but there is a dream ballet. But we did all the other sort of, you know, um, you know, country line, you know, whatever it was called then, dancing. There was, you know, square dancing, if you will. Yes, there was. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's a show, funny enough, that you actually still hear a lot of high schools doing. Yeah, I don't know how that's. I don't know how they sell that. I don't know what the draw is or why they, if it's cheap, I don't know. But something is very strange about that because that's another long show. And those, you know, popular numbers are few and far between. Yeah, I I, I have nothing against the show itself. I actually enjoyed the show itself. But, but I think something about seeing a bunch of 16-year-olds uh, try to get through it um is is draining yeah yep so not so not going out on a high note unfortunately well i mean no 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 but you know what it was senior year you're kind of in that mood anyway like that's how i felt i was such a like rah-rah ask your dad you know through all the years i was involved in every club i was exhausted by this point anyway and, and, and you know happy for what I experienced, but also happy to be leaving. Yeah. The way I think. Yeah, that's about, I, I, that lesson, though. That lesson of like, listen to your, you know, I mean, I was too young and not evolved. I should not have been in it. I should have gone to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. But my sense is that you, you, not that you want to please your friends, but like if your friends hadn't convinced you, there would be no pressure for you to do it but it's like you wanted to to be with them because they wanted you there basically well we should not want to please our friends that's an adult you know way of looking at things that way you know you don't want to please them just for the sake of pleasing them but at that point I'm sure that's exactly what I was doing because yeah. I wanted to go to Hawaii <laughs> so yeah so yes I was pleasing them yeah well okay. so so then when you when you look back at like being in it though were there any silver linings that were like oh you know what like that that part wasn't so bad or or in Oklahoma yeah because Godspell seemed like you have such high things to say about it was it really that uh unpleasant to be in Oklahoma I mean and the answer can be yes yeah well the answer is yes It, it, it was like it was not I mean it was fun to be with my friends and to go out afterwards and to go out on the weekends and uh you know, make jokes about some of the weird things about it, but no, it really, it's not a memorable production. It was not a, a, like a life-giving experience. It was, no one really ever talks about it unless we're talking about it as like a, I can't believe that happened way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everyone's kind of got that one or or multiple show that they, they have that sense where it's like, I did it. I was, I was in it and it didn't really leave an impact on me. And that, then that was that. Um, You've spoken to a lot of people, obviously, about their high school, you know, like theater experience. What do you find is the pattern? Like, do most people have four great years or is it like, what do you, what are you noticing? No, what's, that's an interesting question. What I'm noticing is that you've kind of got two schools of thought. You've got the people who are really passionate about doing theater and you've got the people who are just passionate about doing something social and pushing themselves and whatever. And a lot of the times, I don't know if I've even talked to anyone. And I've talked to people who are on Broadway now who have had four fruitful years or, or have even had such an amazing uh, senior year that they went out with a bang. A few people that, you know, they, they had that one Godspell like experience. Um, But it, it seems like a lot of people, go through this roundabout way of having this tumultuous high school theater journey of like, I was in the ensemble as a lead in this and that. And then it either propelled them to be like, but I still want to do it for the rest of my life or to be like, no, thank you. That was fun. I did it in high school and and I got everything I could out of that. But that, okay, that's really interesting by the way. And I'm not sure where you're going with this interview, but this might be a perfect time for me to say that's what I'm like. I'm in theater now. I'm living my dreams now, and I love it. You know, and, yeah. and 
But in my mind, it goes back to where it began there in high school. However, I didn't do it for many years after high school because I was surrounded by so many talented people in those shows that I thought there was like a pecking order. And I thought if the people who were clearly, you know, more talented than me or got the better roles or, you know, you know, like everyone thought would obviously be in theater later or be in showbiz, um, if, if they're not pursuing it or if, you know, like I shouldn't even consider pursuing it. And that kept me back for many years. It wasn't like I was sitting there crying about it. I really just thought that. I thought, who, why would I bother ever doing something like that if the people that should be doing it, in my eyes, aren't? Yeah. But maybe they they weren't even the people who should have been doing it. Just because they were the people who got the parts doesn't mean that they really were the ones who... who cared enough to want to fight for it and do it or whatever yeah but it, it is interesting though because I did think that way for many years yeah and and I think that there's a, a whole another podcast to be had about like the college or like young 20s theater experience because yeah. then that is like that next step where it's either like super eye-opening and be like oh I'm not as good as I thought I was or the opposite to be like, oh yeah, I didn't get Oliver and Oliver, but now I'm the lead in my college show, whatever it is, and, yeah. and it can go either way. Yep, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, well, well, it's it's always good to talk to people who who stuck with it, because um, I feel like there's you, you can trace the arc a little more because when you look like your perceptions of of what it means to do theater or be an actor, or whatever, did start not only in the shows that you were seeing when you were younger, but when you started doing it. And when you started doing it to the point of exhaustion of, of a full year spent on one production, but that was where you learned how to how to do what you're doing now, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, uh, just worth mentioning, you've mentioned some, some alumni uh, that you were in high school with who have gone on to do some notable things do you want to speak on them yeah, like I thought about it today knowing I'm, I'm speaking to you I said who sort of you know made it and one girl in my class and your dad's class Eve, her name was Yvette Rodriguez now it's Yvette Lawrence she um I watched her you know like after we graduated she um went to um AMDA yeah AMDA yeah. and she um and that was on a soap opera, like pretty soon after like high school. And I was like jealous and excited for her. And then she got a role in Nick and Nora, which is a famous flop, but it was a Broadway show that was supposed to be a huge hit. It was at the Marquee Theater, one of the earliest shows at the Marquee Theater. Um, and she, um, that closed, but she was on Broadway. And then she famously was the Belle from Beauty and the Beast in LA for many, many years. So she made it and I was always proud of her and kind of envious of her and I tracked her around. She was in falsettos on Broadway and only act two because she played Cordelia. So I would go for free. I would sneak in just to watch her perform. She was in the show with Mandy Patinkin and I was like thrilled. So I'd go see her after, but I was yeah. thrilled to be hanging around Mandy Patinkin. Like, so it was, yeah, so she did very well. Um, look him up. He's very well known. Miss Coco Peru, Clint Loop was in Clint Loop and Joe Gulla were the two macho guys in Oklahoma at the end with their wives. This is a famous tableau <laughs> we should all be very aware of, but he's doing great. I mean, really, his stuff is great. He is a drag queen um, and, and, and he's hysterical, but he does spoken word and he's a writer and he's profound and it's beautiful the things he does. And I highly recommend it. If you've never heard of him at all, you're going to enjoy investigating it. You're going to have a yeah. blast. Um, a girl also in our group, she is wig master. Well, she, she was for, for Hamilton for, for most of its run until recently where she's now the wig master at and Juliet, which I'm not even sure is still open. Is that open? It is, yeah, another jukebox musical, so probably oh. not something you want to see. Yeah. yeah. Those are the 
three I came up with for you. Yeah. yeah. And then you you fit into the puzzle there as well. I mean, that's going to say actor, playwright, reality star, Joe Goa. I mean, he's definitely on that list. Yeah, there you go. If they were on this podcast, they would be, you would be in one of their three then. They would hear about it afterwards if they did not mention actor, playwright, reality star, Joe Goa, for sure. In, in that order, too, always actor, playwright, reality star. Um, it, it, no, like if I wrote the play, it's playwright, actor, reality star. <laughs> if I'm in the play, it's actor, playwright, reality star. I keep reality star only because that matters in Google sometimes, so I keep it there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So the last question I have, this is something I ask everyone, take a second to think about it if you need. Um, but if you if you had to describe your high school theater experience in just one word, what's the one word? One you, word. Yeah, one word. It's hyphenated, but life-changing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if anyone said that yet either, too. Oh, good. Yeah. I think everyone has actually said a different word. So everyone sometimes oh. is in the, the realm of, of life, either like really good or really bad. Um, but life changing is in, and I get that sense based off the way you talked about Godspell, um, and I even mean, Oklahoma too. But really mean it, yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. I hope that uh, you got something out of it too, and it was fun to go down memory lane. I went to my high school reunion, and I met your dad. I saw your dad again, and I was basically forced into doing this. But I, I do. You're welcome. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> I would do anything for Andrew Busani, and he knows that. And he is, by the way, a lovely, charming, wonderful human being. And I really, I mean, I mean that. Well, he's going to be listening to this, so he's going to he's going to hear it, and I'm sure that he'll appreciate I'm it. I'm glad. So in five more years, when I see him again, <laughs> he'll book me for something else. There you go. Yeah. Um. Well. Well. Thank you so much for doing it um i hope that uh everyone else enjoyed listening too and uh we will see you next time thank you thanks for listening to cast party high school theater revisited be sure to follow us on instagram at cast party pod for all the latest updates See you next time.